Hello, and welcome to the 48th episode of Curiosityness. I am Travis DeRose, the host, and on this episode, I have the guys who rebuilt the original screen-used DeLorean from Back to the Future, and holy crap, it was pretty fun to talk to them. Uh, I have on Steve Concatelli, who is the uh, director and producer of a documentary called Out of Time, which documents the uh, whole process, so he talks about that. And we also brought on Joe Walser, and he's the head designer, builder of the whole restoration, and was basically the the driving force to, to get it done on on the original A car that was used in the Back to the Future movie. And it's just the amount of detail and... Uh, you know, time and money that was spent on this thing is incredible. And it's really fun to hear Joe dive in and talk about all the, you know, the little details that you or I would never notice, but it's really cool to know that stuff is there. Um, it may be worth it to go listen to or go check out the out of time documentary before you listen to this, or at least look up a picture of the, uh, of the restored DeLorean it might give you a better appreciation. Um, it's at outoftimemovie.com. There's a link to it down below. You can check out the documentary. But uh, that's it. This is the podcast with uh, Steve Concatelli and Joe Walser. And boom, we're on. What's up, Steve and Joe? How you guys doing? Good. 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 Man, well, this is pretty cool. You guys uh, You guys worked on the uh, the restoration of the the actual original time machine DeLorean. Yeah, we did. Uh, Steve, tell them what you did. Uh, I had nothing to do with the actual restoration. I filmed it. Right. <laughs> Joe, Joe and his team, they did the restoration. So I won't take any credit for that. Right. But the, the documentary, like documenting it, I think really helps people appreciate it. Cause you know, I've seen it at universal studios and then now is it at the Peterson museum? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I've seen it both places and it's like insane when you go see it. But when you watch this documentary, uh, out of time, you can like really, really appreciate all the detail and, and effort that has gone into it. So, so, you know, I appreciate- yeah, Steve was, he was indispensable and yeah. he, he can't turn a wrench, but it's a great story. How he <laughs> got on, you know, how he came on board. Right. I mean, I knew Steve for a while and, uh, you know, once the restoration was was happening, he was like, "Dude, I gotta, you know, I want I want to be involved." And I was like, "Of course, what can you do, right, Steve?" Yep. Come on, take over, man. Oh, and I, I said, you know, Joe looks at me and he says, "Well, you know, do you know anything about prop restoration?" I said, "Nope." He goes, "Are you a mechanic?" I'm like, "No." He goes, "Do you do any kind of DeLorean prop restoration? Anything?" I said, "No, I'm completely useless." And Joe, he literally just looks at me and says, then what good are you on this team? What can you do? And then I said, I have a video camera and I'm great at making movies. And he's like, done. That's your job. Okay. Right on. That, I mean, someone had to do it. It fit perfectly. Well, I well, thought, you know, that it was, it was important to record, you know, for posterity, the whole restoration. We didn't know, you know, what we were going to do with it exactly. Um, you know, but it seemed like a huge waste not to and something that, you know, fans uh, might want to see. Yeah. And at the time, Universal didn't have any interest in documenting it. You know, and I 
I'm sure that's a studio mentality where when the car was done, they would love to see it, but they weren't interested in documenting the nitty gritty of how it was done. And Joe and I both recognize that, no, this is something that fans very much want to see. They want to see the process. They want to see how it's done. But most importantly, fans want to know that the car was restored with all the love, attention, and uh, and dedication that fans would have put into it themselves. Mm -hmm. We basically use our own fandom to guide everything we did. And, you know, we knew that if we weren't on the restoration team, we would have wanted to see, you know, the restoration, some details, um, you know, so that's, that's why we did that. That's why we do everything mm-hmm. uh, is uh, because ultimately we're fans too. Uh, we're just a different kind of fan. Um, you know, a, we kind of created a new, a new thing with the professional fan. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, before this, uh, you know, no studio had ever trusted a group of fans, you know, to restore an iconic prop like this. And here, you know, we were doing the most uh, iconic, you know, vehicle in, in movie history, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, there was a little, you know, a little speed bump to achieve that, um, and kind of convince universal that it was a, it was actually a great idea instead of a horrible idea. You know, (laughs) it was, uh, it, it was that it came with, uh, the team came with a lot of, um, you know, real world experience. Um, you know, everybody on the team had some kind of specific skill set. Um, there was nobody on the team that, uh, you know, that, that brought nothing to the restoration. Everybody had to do something. We had a n- never ending list of applicants, you know, who wanted to be involved. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we would just, you know, shoot the shit with them for a minute. And w- what do you want? You know, why do you want to help? And, you know, a lot of them were like, I would do anything just to sit in the seat and, play you know Huey Lewis and I was like all right thank you and we all want to do that but also no and uh you know there's the door and next uh you know because we had a huge uh, people think you know oh you know um the restoration was just this huge uh privilege and you know it was bestowed upon you and you should you know be just like, Oh, I'm not worthy. And it's like, yeah, but also it was a huge responsibility and uh, an actual job. Mm-hmm. You were contracted um, by universal and we had a lot of pressure, you know, and we had a lot of decisions and we had, there were a lot of people involved and the team was, you know, big and diverse and specific and we had time limits and, you know, so it wasn't just like, oh, look at us. We're, you know, these huge, you know, king fans and 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 that's just it. You know, it's not all gravy. I mean, we had to, you know, put the uh, the muscle and, uh, you know, and, and our years of, of experience and all of the different 
you know, elements that each person brought to the team, we ought to come together and we had one year to turn a big pile of scrap into you know, back into the time machine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally. Yeah. So, oh, go ahead, Steve. I was going to say, Joe, actually, he touched on it, but he understated it in terms of the people who wanted to be a part of the project. Yeah. People all over the world would have loved to have been a part of the project, but the bar was so high for the skill set you needed and the dedication that you needed. And we had, Joe had guys on the team that lived out of state or across cross country. And, and Joe would call them up and say, we need a weekend to work on the car, get here. And they would buy tickets, get on a plane, work for three days straight and fly home on a red eye Monday morning and go to work. Like that was the minimum level of dedication you needed to be on the team. Yeah. And most people, when they hear that, they're like, oh, yeah, no way. No way I would do that. Like, well, <laughs> then then be glad you weren't on the team because once you were in, you were in 100% or you couldn't have made it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had some people, you know, who had, uh, you know, big promises about, you know, their dedication to the team. And they would come in and the first five minutes they were through the door, it was just selfie after selfie after. And I was like, all right, this guy's not coming back tomorrow, you know, <laughs> yep. and with it. And then, you know, we had other guys like, uh, like my good buddy, Alex, who yep. is, uh, you know, kind of an expert at stock DeLorean, uh, restorations and, and, uh, he knows his shit big time. And, um, you know, but he, he doesn't know one thing about the time machine. And so he came and he was like, look, he was like, I'll be honest with you. I don't know anything about the time machine, but I'm, I know my way around a DeLorean. And I was like, all right, well here's where I need you to be at this time. And he showed up and he did his thing. And, and at the end of the day, I was like, all right, so I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) And then he just became, you know, a a very important um, VIP, very important person on the team. And, uh, you know, and he's still, you know, numero uno DeLorean restoration in my book. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's the thing too, is this, it's like you mentioned the film, it's two restorations really. Cause it's, you know, it's a car restoration and then also this movie prop restoration at the same time. Yeah. And I mean, let's just be honest. The car was in terrible condition, Mm -hmm. just the car alone. I mean, forget about all the time machine stuff, which was in terrible condition and missing and everything, you know, and um, step one was, you know, remove all the animal poop and leaves <laughs> and sticks and crap, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and dents and scratches. And, I mean, people really don't don't uh, don't know what went into the restoration. Even the movie, The Out of Time, is uh, an outstanding documentary. And I, I love it, despite the fact that I'm in it. But... <laughs> The truth is, even that, uh, you know, just touches the surface, the tip of the iceberg, you know? Oh, yeah. There's no, I mean, how many hours of footage do you have, Steve? I have at least 50 hours of footage of the restoration and like another 60 hours of interviews. But yeah, to, to like we gave, we gave kind of a nice general little overview of the restoration. But if we actually chronicled how it went, it would have been a mini series. Oh, yeah. We could have done a. We could have made a show about it easy, uh, but again, you know, Universal wasn't like, yeah, sure, 
you know, let's show you, show everybody how messed up it was. It's like, you know, so even, even in the documentary, we had to be, you know, really respectful and, and professional and have approval at every step of the, of the way. You know, a lot of people out there think that, you know, we just had free reign and we did whatever we want. We took all the time machine parts and put them in our collection and, and put everything back on the car fake. And, you know, there are people that think that these conspiracy theories and it's like, okay, I mean, you weren't there. And if you were, you know, I mean, this, this, this would all just be a huge waste of your oxygen because every step of the way was, uh, uh, we were under supervision. We, we were reported to people. Um, you know, a lot of people reported to me and a lot of everybody was involved in every decision and everything that, that could go back on the car went back on the car. And, and it was, uh, uh, it, it was, there were a lot of really, really difficult decisions too. Um, and, and a lot of arguments within the team, you know, because we're all just as passionate about the time machine as, as everyone else. And a lot of people had a lot of specific opinions about what should happen with, with certain things. For example, uh, there was, uh, at some point after part one and, uh, the DeLorean time machine went on display in universal, you know, Hollywood. And there was like a photo op and everybody could just go right up and touch the car and, and take pictures with it and everything. Uh, during that time period, um, you know, the, the neon that goes under the flux bands was apparently broken. And there was some concern that fans were going to get shocked by it or, something um i mean that doesn't you know make a huge amount of sense since uh the car was turned off and, but whatever you know <laughs> um i you know you're never sure where these stories came from exactly um you know plus the internet so whatever um anyway uh they they took off the flux bands and then they never put them back on right so the best guess is, you know, they took them down to the to the uh, transpo garage and and somebody was like, what the hell is all that garbage and threw them away, you know. Um, so at some point they had to rebuild the flux bands and put them on the car. So they made new ones that are not accurate. However, um, there were some other things, too, like, for example, uh, they they pulled off, you know, this big mole Richardson cable um, when they did this. And then, you know, when they did some, uh, who knows, they cleaned it up or whatever, who knows what they were doing, but they were working on it. They pulled this cable off and then they couldn't remember how it went back on. And so they just drilled a bunch of new holes over the rear quarter panel. And then they just put the, put the cable over that, you know, over the rear well, instead of it, you know, going back in behind the driver's seat. So then uh, we had those those extra holes and the wire, you know, going over there, which was not correct. And somebody uh, in between filming part one and part two, you know, realized, well, that, that wire is not going the right way. But, you know, now there's, you know, like eight holes around the rim. So they they put it in the right place, but the holes are there is, is my point. Mm -hmm. So 
hit part two, you can actually see these holes, right? So then those holes to some of the members of the team became screen used, right? So, cause you can see them on, on screen. So it's right. like, all right, so now these holes are screen used. So we have to leave them. And then it, it got, it turned into a huge debate because what we, we were hired to do was to return the car to the exact state it was when it backed off of Doc's truck. So the, the first incarnation of the time machine, the first big reveal, uh, that's that's what it was, you know, supposed to be. And that's why it doesn't have Mr. Fusion. That's why, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, those holes weren't there, right? So then it became, well, how do we fix holes, you know? And even, you know, a lot of stainless steel experts were like, it, it can't be done. I mean, it can, but it's really, really hard, and you'll never really get rid of those holes. You'll always kind of see a discoloration. And I was like, so you're saying it can't be done? And they're like, that's, that's what I'm saying. And I was like, good enough for me. Let's do it. Yep. <laughs> right? Because, you know, who doesn't love a it can't be done challenge, right? Right. Um Anyway, we got, you know, some welders in there and they, they tack welded them. And I spent the next week on my knees, on my ass, uh, just grinding and sanding and graining and brushing and everything. And I, I, I think I, I might've taken it too far because, you know, like I wasn't satisfied if I could still see it when my nose was two inches away, (laughs) you know, until it was gone, I didn't quit. And, uh, but in the end, I mean, you, you straight up can't see those, those holes. You can't see them. They're gone. And, um, you know, so, yeah, it sucked. And I got, you know, headache and, you know, flat butt. Oh, sorry. Getting a phone call. Anyway, uh, but, yeah. you know, what then, you know, then it, it's like it becomes all about, uh, yeah, it sucked. And you know, what is what is it, Steve? The pain is temporary. Yeah, but the car will be perfect forever. Car will be perfect forever. Right. Um, you know, I'm just saying it was it was worth it was worth the effort and it was worth the, the pain. And um, you know, ta-da. Right. Well, and like that's the thing too. It's like you know. A lot of people are like, well, just get another stainless steel panel from a DeLorean. But you're like, that's not that's going to be some kind of weird replica. Then we have the the actual part. Let's fix that part and put it on here. So it's the real thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, there's there's all levels of fan, right? There's thousands and thousands and millions of Back to the Future fans that that go see the the time machine at the Peterson every day. I mean, not a million every day, but, you know, over millions over whatever months and years, but they go see it. And, and it's, it's amazing. You know what I mean? They're like, Oh my God, this is, this is it. This is the real deal. I'm looking at it. And the magic is uh, real. And the fact that a stainless steel panel might not be the original, um, you know, is, uh, is wasted on them. They don't care. You know what I mean? There's like, there's like three people, that would have a, you know, a heart attack about a, a replaced stainless steel panel. Um, you know, and I, if, if you went to see it and you didn't know, 
you know, and I just said, all the stainless steel panels are, are original. You'd be like, oh, that's so amazing. It's got magic. Even if I was lying, I mean, the magic is real, right? I'm not lying. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of people that, <laughs> that obsess about the work we did. Um, and by a lot, I mean, you know, three. Uh, <laughs> everybody else is just chill, right? But there's a, you know, what happened is, and I, I told Steve when he was filming the documentary, he, he was like, uh, you know, just, it, you know, say something now, like, uh, you know, the, the pain is temporary and, and the, and the, the car will be perfect forever. And I just, I, I just resisted saying perfect because I knew it was going to be a challenge. You know, it was going to be taken as a challenge for like three guys out there to, to find the imperfections. Um, and I'll tell you right now, all of the panels on the car are original, except for the, uh, the front left fender, the front left quarter panel, which was original until uh, we hired uh, someone to fix it, and they ended up ruining it. Oh, damn. Uh, and... You know, they melted this gigantic hole and it was just it, it became, you know, impossible to, to repair. Um, and that sucked, you know, but whatever. Right. So, yeah. Um, and the hood is is a replacement. And that's just because it was smashed. People had been sitting on it and it got, you know, an X pattern in it, which is typical for DeLoreans that you sit on. Um <laughs> And it, you know, had some real scratches that were just too bad. And, you know, and it was like, again, another one of these big group debates where we're like, well, it's the original hood. And it's like, yeah, but it looks like crap, you know, yeah. since this car isn't pristine, it's not going to fix itself. And, and it says be beyond, you know, anyone's ability to, to repair this hood. And we were like, so you know, this thing's going to be on display and it's like, this is the time machine. And, you know, it's just, did we want to put, you know, uh, lipstick on a pig or, you know, we didn't, we wanted to, you know, make the presentation proper. Uh, and that was what we were hired to do. So anyway, beyond that, uh, every panel is original and, um, and can and went through an in intense, restoration uh, process to get them from the terrible condition they were they were in uh, you know until what it looks like now which is basically flawless yeah it's and I don't say flawless to <laughs> challenge you three people okay it's mostly flawless hey I mean to this day like Joe and the team, they did the restoration to the level which the hardcore fans would be satisfied. And and hardcore fandom, they, they're never satisfied with anything, ourselves included. But when to this day, I don't think anybody has gone to the car, any fan, and found something incorrect. There's nothing incorrect on that car. It's it is perfectly restored. And that is a challenge. That does sound like a challenge, Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's been there for years, and it's like the car is perfect. It's a, it's perfectly restored. Well, and uh, not only that, I mean, you really have no idea what it even means to say that the car has been restored and it's perfect. I mean, 
we're talking about some uh, something that was so complicated. The logistics of rest, restoring the the car in the time that we had at the time that we had was, you know, it was damn near impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were many times on the restoration where people were like, we're, we're not going to make it. There's no way. And I was like, what'd you say? It's impossible. I'm in, um, yeah. you know, and, and people were really at each other's throats, uh, you know, at some points over, over specifically the dedication to perfection and accuracy. And, you know, it's, it's easy for like an armchair critic to, to sit there and point out, you know, well, the little lights aren't twinkling, Clark. Oh, uh, <laughs> thanks for noticing, you jerk. You know, it's like, for the record, they are twinkling. And <laughs> for the, uh, you know, and, and besides that, uh, you know, we had 20 people working on their spare time, most of them for free, yep. most of them volunteers, um, scouring you know, the, the world and everybody's, you know, parts bins for, you know, the exact accurate uh, replacement stuff for, for anything that was missing. Um, you know, and a lot of decisions had to be made about uh, parts that we did have that were just, you know, too far gone to put on the car as is, but did we want to you know, did we want to put it on the car as is and not restore it, you know, uh, or did we want to use the information gleamed from that part, uh, to have our engineers create an exact clone for that part using that information and, and they're by keeping the integrity of the original piece intact, but we can't put it on the car for display. You know, there, there were a lot of questions like that. Um, and again, you know, some of the parts, uh, that were, you know, really rough had to be, uh, you know, taken down basically to stock and, you know, and re anodized or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and went back on the car, they're original, but you would never be able to pick it, you know, to, to decipher it between a, a replica of itself because you know you, uh, you take it all the way down to metal and then bring it back up uh to me that's kind of in some ways more of a replica you know what i mean uh even though the like the guts of it are real everything you see is new so, right i don't it's it's so complicated and but the one thing is, you know, as a team, uh, you know, and Bob Gale was on our team, right? I mean, he supervised everything we did and, you know, we had to answer to universal and, um, and, but, but most importantly, we had to answer to ourselves mm-hmm. and that is what drove us to do it right. And it was never good enough. Um, you know, and if we did anything, that wasn't a hundred percent right. Uh, it was only 99% right. And, you know, it was probably cause we were up for 36 hours in a row and bumping into each other and didn't turn a, a screw quite to the right degree. Jeez. Um, 
but you know, it, yeah, it was a lot of work and we put our all into it. And, uh, you know, it's fucking perfect. <laughs> yeah, man. Like something I was curious about watching is, you know, they kind of talk about how this was, it was made for a movie as a prop. So yeah. it wasn't necessarily built with like the best craftsmanship. It just needed to look good on camera. So when you guys are rebuilding this, are you, did you ever have things where you're like, well, maybe we should make this a bit more like durable to actually hold up or are you making it exactly like it was like how the prop was oh, made? There's, there's two things. One is, uh, you know, we knew that the car was going to go on display and be behind a, you know, a protective case at right. first and later, you know, it's, it's open air at the Peterson, but you know, it's not the kind of place where, you know, too many people are going to get away with, touching it. Um, so there's that, right? So you, you can have the same kind of, you know, built for a movie, uh, parts, uh, you know, and not be so worried about them not lasting cause it's, you know, indoor and protected. Um, so it's not going to fall apart. It's not going to take the same abuse that the, that the a car did 30 years outside. Right. Um, but also, yes, you know, but not really like in the in the exterior stuff, but, but like with the, the electronics, um, you know, that was all kind of just a movie magic where, you know, they would show you the time circuits and it's one date and then they cut away and make like a boop noise and you assume, you know, that it digitally changed, but it didn't. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they would cut back and it would say November or whatever. And, um, you know, but we wanted it to actually function, right? And, you know, to be honest, the, the time machine as it is can do so many more things than, it, than it's doing because it's just sitting there, you know. But, I mean, you can program the time circuits. You can um, – there's a whole series of – like show elements that we built into it uh -huh. um, that, that can control everything on the time machine, um, you know, and, and, and it can go up to 88 and have a, a, a full temporal event. And then, uh, you know, including, including all of the audio, um, you know, uh, but it's, it's not doing any of that. Um, Wait, did but, you, did you guys do that? So if it hits 88, it stuff goes off. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, everything. <laughs> that's the, no, that's the thing is, uh, we wanted everything to work. Wow. Yeah. Well, we didn't know exactly what the car was ever going to be used for. You know, I mean, we didn't know maybe universal would, you know, take it out and use it for commercials or anything. Turned yeah. out they didn't, and they don't want anybody doing that. But, uh, that's why we built, you know, the sister car, um, the most uh, accurate DeLorean time machine replica on the planet is owned by my buddy Terry Metallis. Um, and we do basically all of the, the big, legit universal uh, gigs, you know, like Walmart and GE and mm -hmm. the Academy Awards, yeah, the Oscars. Nice. Um, 
Yeah, Pepsi. Yeah, but uh, but as Joe was saying, with the electronics in the car, yeah, that's something that didn't function in the real car. And Joe, he when he said it to us, I remember he told the team, he said, "Look, if Bob Zemeckis sits in the car after the restoration, and he hits the buttons." I want the time circuits to work like he would expect them to. Mm -hmm. And so that was the bar that he set, like this whole custom-built, custom-designed computer system to control the whole inside of the car. You know, none of that was in the real car, but it's there now. So in that way, that is one improvement that Joe put that the original car didn't have. And I can tell you, sitting in there and having the buttons work is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And there were some... uh... There were some other like, you know, safety enhancements, like uh, some of the parts that had gone missing over the years that were just on with a screw are now on with a screw and some other stuff under there so that you can't remove it um, or at least so easily, you know, and like the, the nuclear reactor lid, which just comes right off, doesn't come right off on the a car specifically so that it doesn't walk. Cause you know, we <laughs> probably spent, uh, I don't know, over a year, uh, independently figuring out every single detail of the whole nuclear reactor and, and plutonium chamber and exactly how they built it originally. Um, you know, and, and we've always kind of kept that proprietary. Um, so most, replica owners you know do what they think is in there versus what's really in there um you know and you know not to be dicks but you know i think that it's important for uh no one to ever be able to achieve you know the a car level restoration there has to be some something about the you know someone's replica uh, that, that isn't hundred percent right. And it's not a mean or greedy or selfish thing. I, I just think that a car is more important than anybody's replica. Yeah, totally. So let's, can we just hop into like kind of jump back up maybe a bit, but just like talk about the condition that you received the car in and like basically what had happened to it after, you know, they filmed the movies. Cause you know, I have a picture of me like five years old standing next to the car outside of the, uh, you know, Back to the Future ride at Universal Studios and had no idea that that was the actual A car, screen used car. I figured it was just, you know, a replica that they put out there. But that was the real thing. Was it? Have you had that confirmed by our oh, team? No, I need to have I need to send that in and have some forensics. Here's the thing that Universal had a replica there that was built by Jay Orberg. He's a car guy, um, you know, that did a lot of movie cars. And um, he was commissioned at some point in the early 90s, I guess, to build a a replica. And, And basically... Uh, Universal just said, "Hey, okay, so you know you're going to build us a replica. Here's a here's a big storage bin that has you know some time machine parts in there." And he, you know, kicked it open and took as much stuff from the you know this uh, storage bin 
and and put it on this replica. And that stuff, of course, was screen used stuff, you know, mostly <laughs> covered from the train wreck, uh, stuff from the B car. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so he put a lot of these parts in this replica and Universal basically lost track of what they had and and came to believe that they had two replicas and that neither of them were the real deal. Oh. So they they used them, interchange, uh, they interchanged them, you know, let one sit up in front of the Back to the Future ride while the other sat up on the tram tour up on Green Road where they have that like a row of movie cars outside on the tram up on the hill. Uh, um, and, you know, they just, they would swap them back and forth, whatever they needed. Uh, you know, sometimes they would pull them out for the parade, um, you know, and the, the a car, they actually, you know, sent it down to DMC to get, uh, you know, fixed up from time to time. And they, they kept it running. In fact, you know, several members of our team, you know, hopped in the A car over the years before the restoration started it up. <laughs> you know, I even got a phone call once in the middle of the night from a buddy of mine that was like, Joe, the keys are in the car. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you're thinking, but walk away right now, you know? And he was like, dude, in 30 seconds, I could get to the gate. <laughs> and then what man it's gonna be like all over the news the time machine stolen from universal studios in the SWAT team and chasing a time it, i was like as much as i want to see that happen <laughs> don't do it you know yeah um but he did start it up and you know mess around in there for a while and um i don't know who wouldn't yeah. you know so yeah. The long story uh, short is that uh, they didn't know what they had, and it basically sat outside after, uh, you know, after the filming for 30 years, essentially. I mean, they, they used the A-car in all three movies. It's actually the only car that was in all three movies. Hmm. Um, and um, that still exists. Sorry. Um the B car was smashed after the, the train hit it and the C car, you know, was just half a car that was used for interior shots. And it uh, basically was left outside until it fell apart. People took stuff off it and then they used what was left of it and combined it with one of the other off-road cars to create a, a display time machine for Universal Japan. And then that sat at Universal Japan for years and years, and then just recently was auctioned to a private company, and they have it in their lobby from Japan. Huh. Um, but inside that car are legit pieces, like hero parts from from part one. Um, in fact, you know more hero than others, since the C car was you know the, sh- the interior shot, so everything that Doc pointed at or you know that was all C car stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh yeah. And then when I did the, the restoration, the first thing I did is, uh, one of these days I'll show everybody. Um, but I had to create a, a proposal for universal that was, uh, 
really extensive, many pages of uh, proving that the A car was the A car and showing the lineage and the heritage and <laughs> and and a lot of stuff and and I mean I literally had to convince Universal that it, that it was the A car and and it does that I mean if you if you read the proposal by the end you're like yeah that's the A car no doubt right hundred uh, percent and I convinced them all and then they greenlit lit the pro project and, and then we were off. To the races, but um, you know, yeah, I was gonna say, but for your picture, Travis, if you visited Universal before the restoration, there's probably a 50 50 chance that the car you had your photo in front of was either replica or the real screen used hero car. And the only way to really tell for sure is to have Joe look at it, and to this. To this day, people will post their photos to the Time Machine Restoration Facebook page and say, hey, Joe, can you tell me, is this photo the the hero car or is it a replica? And Joe usually is happy to respond to say, yep, it's the hero car. Nope, it's a replica. So that's the only way we can tell if your photo is the legit thing for sure. Wow. wow. There are, there are, uh, to be fair, there are other people that could could tell you, too. It's not like I'm the only person no. that can tell the difference. I'm not by any stretch. But um, but I do get one of those emails pretty much every week. <laughs> Man, so okay, so this is you know that's the situation. The cars Universal doesn't even know what they have. So eventually, the idea comes. I think Bob Gale kind of initiated it to kind of start restoring the the uh, A car, and um, and then they come to you, Joe. And I mean, what are you? you kind of, you have to prove that it's the A car, but, and they give you a timeline of, of one year, basically. Are there any like budgetary concerns or anything like that? Oh yeah. But I'm not allowed to talk about that. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, I can say this, like whatever the budget was, I have no idea. I can almost guarantee that Joe and the restoration team put in 10 times worth of, you know, 10 times above that in terms of effort, in terms of time, in terms of donating parts. I mean, Oh, yeah. settle. A lot of the team, we, we were volunteers. I mean, we were working full-time jobs on the restoration as a volunteer and then working our full-time regular jobs on top of that. And, and we did it because we simply wanted to be a part of the project and we wanted it to be perfect. And we were willing to donate our time, our effort. Some of the guys donated their, their coveted one of, you know, like their time machine parts that they didn't want to give up. And Joe's like, dude, we need that part for the car. Mm -hmm. give it up. And it wasn't about being compensated for that. It was about being a part of history. And one of the guys on the restoration team said it perfectly. He's like, look, don't tell universal, but I would have paid money to be on the restoration. But in retrospect, a lot of us did. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> oh, so yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, almost everybody was a volunteer on the team. And even those few of us that weren't technically a volunteer were volunteers you know i mean i spent a lot of my own money on the on the restoration uh you know and if i figured out how much i got paid it was you know by the hour it's like you know five cents an hour something <laughs> like that uh, i mean you know i put in years and uh, and it shows you know it's, it's like not the years it's the mileage yeah it shows i started the restoration you know when i was 
like nine years old and now I'm 900 years old. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's crazy. Something that, you know, Universal could have owned, they got a great deal and they could only, you know, achieve that with like crazy fans like you guys. Um, yeah. Well, it was, it was a perfect storm. You know, it was the perfect time and the perfect crew and uh, the perfect situation all the way around. I mean, Universal's not known for, you know, restoring anything at all. And, um, you know, it, it took a lot to, to convince everyone, everyone that, you know, it was the right decision to have, you know, professional fans, um, you know, that were also, you know, primarily industry people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, uh, you've got a group of people that have, you know, the, the, the right, uh, set of skills, um, you know, and, and not just, you know, I can sand or so, you know what I mean? We're talking about, you know, people management and, you know, all kinds of logistics and, and, uh, the ability to get, uh, you know, big companies to, to, uh, fabricate and donate, uh, you know, crazy expensive aerospace parts, uh, just in the name of the project. I mean, it was, it was a, a, a massive campaign that, uh, for you to truly understand just how massive it was, you had to be there. And, you know, everybody was just like, I can't, I can't even believe this is happening. It's so gigantic. Um, we, you know, got as many uh, fans involved as we could. And we, you know, published as, as many photos uh, as we could. And we created the, the Facebook page. And, you know, by the time we, revealed the the finished car you know there were 65,000 members on the Facebook page and this was you know this is pre like you know somebody puts a picture of them sitting in a tub of jello and they get a million views you know I don't know what that's about but um 65,000 fans who actually cared and followed the restoration um it was pretty monumental Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and a once in a lifetime, uh, event really, you know, I mean, a lot of fans have tried to, you know, to have uh, similar like fan, uh, restorations, but they just, it's just not as big a deal as the, you know, the hero DeLorean time machine from back to the future. Mm-hmm. So you know? did, did you... Because just the like incredible level of detail that you had, and you made everybody on the team sort of, you made them work to that same level of detail and accuracy, which is just like incredible. Where you know the screw has to be turned the exact same way, and the wires have to be the same exact gauging, and get the right color dye that hasn't been used for thirty years, and all this stuff. Like right. I could see, you know, wanting to start out with that in the first few months, but then after you just kind of have to give up on that, but yeah. were you and, you know, the whole team kind of able to, to keep that level of accuracy through the whole thing, or did you eventually have to kind of make some, uh, like allowances or, or, or I don't know. <laughs> it's funny because, um, it's, it's really complicated, 
you know, the, the relationship between me and, and everybody on the team. But I can tell you that there was there were times where people would have preferred that we made um, compromises, um, but we never did, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to answer your question, Travis, the answer is no, no, Joe did, Joe did, Joe didn't compromise on anything. I mean, I remember times like it would be four in the morning. Okay. Imagine this. It's a freezing cold warehouse. It's 40 degrees in this warehouse. We're two hours outside of LA. So we have a two hour ride home. It's four in in the morning. All right. And we're turning the screws on the car that's due in two months and Joe, and you bring a piece to Joe, like something that you've done three times over and say, Joe, f- I finally did it. It's perfect. And Joe looks at it and he goes, no, it's the, it's not perfect. It's the wrong shade. Do it all again. And it, at that point, like the guys in the team, you just want to say, Joe, it, it's close enough. Damn it. It's close enough. And Joe's just like, no, there is no thing. No such thing as close enough on this project. It's either perfect or it's wrong. And Joe Joe had that the whole time. Yeah, kind of you sound a little bit more of an asshole than I am. No, it's it has nothing to do with being an asshole. And I, I, we show this in the movie. It was first of all, Joe was there with us doing the same thing. He held himself to a higher standard than anybody. But we all recognized in that moment. I never ask anybody to do anything that I would not be willing to do. Exactly. The problem with that is you know, when people are tired and hungry and they want to go home and I'm like, all right, you know, and they're like, is it good enough? And I, I say, do you think it's good enough? You know, <laughs> I mean, is it good enough? You know, it, it's, they're like, I, I want it to be good enough. I want it to be good enough too. But I mean, is it worth redoing it so that it will be perfect forever? I mean, what about when you take your kid to, to the museum in 20 years and you're like grandpa worked on the time machine you know and and it's not perfect you're gonna look at your work and feel like a dick if you mm-hmm. don't take that extra you know 30 minutes and just do it one more time and just do it right and then put it to bed and it's perfect you know yeah and the guys on the team you know i don't want to make joe sound like a taskmaster he, he wasn't all the guys on the team agreed and that's just it like even though you know, you'd be talking to Joe and like, it's not quite perfect. You understood why you needed to do it again, because you as a fan wanted it to be right. So, you know, it wasn't just, we were doing it right because Joe wanted us to, he had the team where we all understood why it had to be right and why it was important for it to be perfect. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of arguments and a lot of, there were some fights there oh were, God! Yes, there's a lot of <laughs> there were some heated moments. There were there were a lot of debates. Some debates went on the entire time, you know, and um, you know, different people arguing, uh, you know, or drawing the the line. I mean, there were some people that tapped out. There were some people that didn't make it. There were some people that you know, along the the restoration. You know, everybody kind of realized that they were. They weren't in it to win it, you know. It yeah. was just, a, it was just a thing, you know. And um, you know, uh, l- let's just say if you enjoyed yourself on the restoration, you weren't, 
you weren't in it for the right reason. <laughs> That's a hundred percent true. <laughs> yeah, the restoration. It was fun when it was done, but it certainly wasn't fun while it was going on. Right. Yeah. And uh, all of our wives can attest to that. Oh man. Oh no, it was brutal. I mean, there were literally times where, uh, towards the end, where um, me and you know another member of the restoration team had to get a hotel up there. And just to get like two hours of sleep for real, yeah. like so we were up until, you know, we couldn't walk anymore. And then we were like, dude, if we don't get some sleep, we're going to be hating it. But we're like, well, you know, we only have three more days. So let's, you know, let's sleep for two hours and get, you know, and just go until you start feeling your body falling apart a little bit um, or a lot. And are you still there? There's yeah. Yeah. We're here. Technical. Oh. So, you know, we just, we pushed ourselves beyond the point, you know, that it's really healthy. Um, you know, a lot of people were sick and it was, it was a wreck, man. It was a disaster, but it was all, you know, in the name of the thing that we all most coveted, you know, and the, the real point of the whole restoration for me and the team was, um, it we felt our duty to give back to the, uh, you know, to the, to the franchise that had given us so much. You know? Exactly. We wanted to give the time machine back to back to the future, to mm -hmm. back to the future fans, to the franchise, to, to Bob Gale, to universal and to ourselves, you know? And, um, and we did that. In fact, when, um, I don't know if it was at the end of the restoration, but at some point we had a, an exact replica of the nuclear reactor core um, made for Bob Gale. And we, we made this cool wooden stand for it and everything. And this little plaque, and it was really cool because the plaque says, you know, I can't remember word for word, but it went like, um, you know, um, thank you for, um, you know, helping us bring the time machine back, you know, and all cool, fancy back to the future, uh, logo and everything. Um, and it was super cool. It was like, you know, that was almost as surreal as the whole project, you know, just being with Bob Gale and, and giving him the, you know, kind of this, monumental trophy you know mm -hmm. um because uh you know the 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 nuclear reactor is kind of the crown of the car you know and uh that was one of the parts that was missing and it was one of the parts that our team worked so hard to replicate uh exactly and you know with the exception of some people who have seen what, you know, what we created, uh, beyond that, nobody's, nobody's ever nailed it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and not to say that they can't or won't ever, I'm sure somebody will eventually, but, uh, you know, it's, it's also not that we had any information that, you know, isn't available to somebody who really wanted to, to go down that rabbit hole. But, you know, you have to like, you have to be willing to, you know, strap dynamite 
on your ass, you know what I mean? And just dive down the rabbit hole in order to, to really compete with the level of, um, professionals on the team that were all like hyper dedicated. We could have put a man on the moon with this team. Yeah. It felt like we did, you know, I mean, we had literal, uh, you know, JPL scientists on the team yeah. and, um, you know, it wasn't just a random sampling of super fans. This was, you know, doctors and, and engineers and, um, you know, a, literally a group of professional fans, which, you know, let's face it, it's not easy to assemble a team like that. Mm-hmm. And there was not one person on the team that was, you know, that made it to the end that wasn't a real professional. Yeah. Man. So did you, I guess I'm just like the importance of, you know, this being the a car, this being the real screen used DeLorean, was that kind of the motivating factor for this incredible level of detail? Cause like you on your other replicas you've built, what did you have the same kind of attitude for that? Or was this special? Oh, no, I had the same attitude. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I mean, I that that's like kind of the thing that I got known for early on in the replica building community was, uh, you know, my attention to detail, obsession with everything being perfect. Mm-hmm. Most people, you know, would put something on their car, you know, because the blank spot bothered them. And I was like, the blank spot bothers me too, but not as much as that wrong piece of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, get that thing off your car. Uh, you know what I mean, I would rather have nothing and just like, so, um, but yeah, you know, uh, uh, attention to detail, you know, it's funny because in the, in the early days of the, of the replica building community, um, it was kind of like that was the thing that, you know, uh, competitors uh, tried to knock on me with, you know, like, well, it, was, it might not be perfect to Joe Walzer's standards, you know? <laughs> and I was like, say that, like, it's a bad thing, you know, which is, it's funny because that was the one thing that separated me from them. One of them uh, then. And, it was one of the most important reasons that uh, the restoration came to me, you know? So my line in the sand has always been a lot further than most people's line in the sand. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and the way that I put it was that uh, I wasn't interested in building Joe Walzer's time machine, my version of the time machine. Why would I want that? It's ridiculous. I'm trying to build the time machine, you know, the absolute best of my ability. Um, you know, and not everybody has that line in the sand. They're like, you know, Home Depot, good enough. Let's yeah. go. Right. So, you know, there's that. I mean, when I started, uh, there was a, there were more parts unknown than there were known. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I was responsible for the vast majority of 
those discoveries. And that was just straight up boots on the ground, uh, searching and searching and searching. Uh, you know, so I eventually uncovered, um, you know, 95% of the parts that were remaining. Um, and I don't know where I was going with that. So <laughs> it's about your, yes, yes. You were, you brought equal dedication to your replicas as you did the real a car. Right. So short answer. Yes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, that's why you were hired for the job. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Man, so the you you finish it on time. You guys have like four hours left, right? Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, it was it was the movie. Late, but it was on time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in the movie, late, and then we got an extension. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and yet <laughs> it was on time. Yeah, but I mean, in the movie, it shows them like four in the morning, four hours to go, draw, putting stuff on the car, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, is that real?" I'm like, yeah, it was four in the morning. And they were coming. And in fact, uh, in the film, there's a couple beautiful shots of the car that, you know, and it's all done. And the team pops champagne. They're like, we did it. But the reality was I'm getting these shots and Joe is yelling at me, Steve, get the hell out of the way. We got to finish the car. You're, you're getting in our way. And so, like, you know, I would get a couple shots. Joe and his team would dive back in and they were working on it, like right up till Universal came to get the car. So, yeah, it was literally down to the last couple hours. That was that was some of my favorite moments where like you know I'm in the in the cabin of the car and I'm like you know installing something and all of a sudden bonk right in my face and I'm like what the hell and I look over at the Steve with his camera that's so close he just pushed the lens right up against my head you know and I'm like what are you doing he's like I'm just trying to get my shot man <laughs> yeah there was a lot there was a lot, lot of that I mean I I shadowed Joe and the team for an entire year. I mean, yeah. and that was like, you know, in, in every city from, from LA up to, you know, uh, Santa Clarita to who knows elsewhere, like, Oh, we got to go to this city to get some wires. Oh, we got to go to this city to get this. And just, just the insanity of following them and, and watching this come together. Yeah, it was, it was a ton, but I was a constant source of consternation for Joe and the team. Cause I was always right there with a camera to record something. Yep. <laughs> You did a good job, though, Steve. Well, I had to. I mean, in retro, it's the same thing as the restoration. In retrospect, you're glad you did it, but at the time, it's miserable. Oh, yeah. The restoration and making the movie were the same way. At the time, you're just like, God, I just want this to be done. I'm sick of it. But then in retrospect, you watch the movie, you're like, oh, I'm so glad we took the time to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other option was to not do it, and that's just stupid. <laughs> Well, and then the thing is, too, for you, Steve, you know, you had a whole nother you had to edit all that however hundreds of hours of footage you had. Uh, too. Dude, that like the Joe had worked on the restoration for the restoration was a year, but he had been building time machines for 10. And for all the guys on the team, they got to do a one year restoration and then they went home. I worked on the restoration for another three because I had to I shot the restoration for a year. And then I shot interviews for an entire year, and then it took me two years to put the film together by editing it and graphics and DVD production, and Joe and I did a commentary and bonus features. So yeah, I essentially worked on the restoration for four years, and it was long after everybody else had forgotten about it, I was still working on it with Joe. Uh, yeah, that was that was extremely difficult, extremely hard, but you know, it was a lot like Joe, you know, I took a cue from him, like, 
we started this, we're going to finish it and we're going to finish it right. And, and it's going to be painful and we're going to want to quit a lot, but we're going to see it through to the end. And that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. Like, oh, I wanted to quit dozens of times. Like oh. I'm, I'm done with this. I'm done with this movie. Let's just, let's just hang it up and call it a day. And then, and then after a few minutes, you calm down. You're like, no, I, we, we have to do this. It's a, it's a chance to show something special. It's something fans will love and are waiting for. And, and, you know, we couldn't let them down. Yeah, totally. So for you, Joe, like what happens, you know, you're spending literally your, all your time, you know, building this. And one day it just sort of, it's done. They come and pick up the car. Like, what is it for you after that? Are you celebrating or are you like, like, dang, what do I do now? I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know. I recovered, you know, I I had, I had serious, you know, um, PSD for, you know, I don't know, a long time, you know, (laughs) It, it took me a long time to, you know, to get over it. Um, I mean, Honestly, it was it was really it was hard on me, um, you know, from a health perspective too. I mean, I ended that thing, and I had like crazy high blood pressure, and you know, and a baby, stressful. Yeah, and I had a baby during Jeez. the frustration. Yeah, and you know, I mean, the whole, look, the whole time that we were working, we were well aware that this was, you know, our work was going to be scrutinized forever forever you know mm-hmm. and you know people were gonna take ten thousand photos of every possible conceivable angle of what we did um you know and be like hey is this right or is it you know and it was uh, it was stressful to live up to that um and, but luckily uh I, we, we were really living up to our own standards um you know we wanted it to be perfect um you know, we weren't interested in anything less, um, you know, and, and we did the very best job that we could do and we did it for everyone, but, you know, we did it for ourselves, not from a, a greedy or selfish perspective, but from a selfful perspective of, you know, the love that we've all had for the back to the future, uh, franchise forever, you know, out of respect for, Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis and Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. And, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it it was really, um, you know, kind of a, a big swan song of appreciation for the whole, the whole community. Yeah. But mm, go ahead. I I was going to say, but let me say this. It took Joe and the team a while to recover, but Joe quickly jumped back into the back to the future pool uh, because after the restoration, Joe then put on the We're Going Back 2015 massive fan celebration in Los Angeles. Right. And that was an entire week of Back to the Future insanity. Joe put that on. So he was dealing with all that stuff. And then uh, if he wasn't Back to the Future out enough, Joe then uh, started work on, what is it, two more time machines, Joe? <laughs> Uh, so I, yeah, I, I don't remember any of this. Like, yeah. There was an event. What? Yeah. So he, 
he dove right back into back. He took a break, but he dove right back into back to the future. And he's still there. I mean, if you go over to Joe's house, back to the future is still a giant part of his life. Uh, but yeah, yeah. And then of course the movie came out after the restoration and that we were all caught up in that too. So back to the future has, and will continue to be a giant part of his life and my life. Mm-hmm. Well, and then it was, it was years later that they moved the, the DeLorean from, uh, Universal to the Peterson, and then we had yeah. a big unveiling there and a big premiere for Steve's movie, and you know, um, it's just sort of, you know, not letting go. Yep. Kind of, you know. Yeah. Not that I'm trying too hard to get away, but you know, every once in a while, I'm like, you know, how much more Back to the Future can I take? Uh, and the answer is. I don't know, but more. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Well, and you worked with Eagle Moss on the under the DeLorean time machine model to make sure that was accurate. I mean, you're still yeah. all over the place on stuff. Yeah. And even now, like if you go to the Peterson Museum, the time machine is the most popular car in the museum. Oh, of course. And, you know, it's people bringing their kids and people who are our age, people older, people younger. And, you know, Back to the Future still has this huge draw for fans of all ages now. I mean – the kids who were 15, 16, 17, they were, they were born after, after the sequels came out. They never saw it in the theater, but they yeah. still – they love the car. Totally. And actually, it's, it's a, one of my favorite things to do when I go to the Peterson is just, just kind of hang out there and you just watch. It's just like one person after the other comes up and like, oh, my God, you know. And it's by far the most popular car on exhibit there. But that is not really a big surprise since it's, you know, the most popular movie car in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so but it is cool, you know, one after the other and, and fathers showing their sons the car. And, you know, and it's cool when the kids have seen it, seen the movie, you know, and they're like, oh, no way. That's the you know, that's the the time machine. And the dads are all like, oh, it's so great. And, you know, and, you know, it, it doesn't hurt that. That's probably the the place I'm most likely to be recognized. <laughs> yeah, I'm standing there, and they're like, "Hey, are you?" And I'm like, "I am." You know? <laughs> Maybe. Right. Uh, it's cool though, you know. And 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 the number one thing that fans say to me is, "I just wanted to say thank you mm-hmm. for doing that." You know, for investing all that crazy time and effort into bringing the car back because it means a lot to a lot of people. And, uh, you know, that, that is really what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly why we did out of time. We made the documentary to show fans, the love, the dedication and, you know, and the reverence that Joe and the team had, uh, for the car and the love that they put into it. Mm -hmm. Damn. Yeah. Well, I mean, Thanks to both of you Who guys, man. Listen to this podcast. This is long. Yeah, this is a little. We have to do a series. That's what yeah, people exactly. like. Exactly. That's, that's the podcast world, man. Oh my god, yeah. But I uh, hope people like it. <laughs> oh well, I, I certainly do. I mean, and again, I hope people, if they're in Los Angeles, get to go to the Peterson Museum on Wilshire and get to see the car for themselves because nothing makes you appreciate. That the Back to the Future and Out of Time and the work they did, then seeing it in real life and, and standing there because I like to visit the Peterson too. I, I stop by, and you're just like, wow! It's just 
amazing to see it restored compared to what it was. And it, it's just, it just brings that movie magic back. It's because it's real in front of you. If anybody's made it this far in this, uh, in this podcast, they should <laughs> order Steve's movie. Yeah. Yeah. Let's drop that at, at 90 minutes into a podcast. Yeah, right. and buy my film that it's available. Out of time movie.com. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, hopefully you'll you'll put a link, but it's out of time like the license plate out of time movie.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you and, should watch uh, the documentary and then go to the Peterson and see yes. it so yeah. that you know what you're looking at. Totally. Yeah. And if and if anybody's interested, the film is on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital streaming worldwide, region-free discs, and we ship all over the world. So wherever you are in the world listening to this, you can watch Out of Time now. Nice. Yeah, and I'll, I'll have a link for that too, so people can get to that easy and, and check it out. And if you know any of you crazy Back to the Future fanatics want to do that whole "We're Going Back" celebration one more time, go to We're Going Back to the Future dot com. Cool. Because it's coming up. The the a big one is coming up this year in October, and we will all be there. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I was at the last ones. They were awesome. Went to the. Uh, Enchantment under the sea dance, crazy. It, it was. Yeah. Great, oh, I didn't so. realize you, you you were there, huh? I was there. Yeah, I went when you guys set up the <laughs> uh, the hill valley out in kind of like the outskirts of LA. Made it to that, and then uh, was at the Enchantment under the sea dance. Yeah. Yep, that was all Joe's doing. So you're talking to the guy who put it on, dude. It was it was incredible, awesome. So I'm stoked to hear that it's happening again. Well, some stuff. Did you, did you go to Marty McFly's block party? That was sick. No, no, I couldn't make it there. Time. Next time, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was Again. I was too busy finishing the film to go to the block party because my <laughs> film out of time premiered at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance event like that day. Yeah. And I was still editing the film the night before. So Joe and everybody's <laughs> at the block party and I'm in the edit bay panicking trying to get this film done. Oh god, I don't remember anything from that week. You gotta let it soak in, right? Marty McFly block party. Right? I mean, that was epic. Yeah. A block party on marty mcfly's block <laughs> come on right i mean it's right. like is it, it happening it, again or do we have details on that yet well we haven't released any details but you know i'd like to do that again because that was pretty awesome sweet cool well man steve and joe well, thank you guys you'll have to do it you're welcome you'll have to do another one of these recordings uh at the event coming up so we'll all be there again that'd be awesome yeah he's never, yeah he's never gonna need to do another one of these this is long this <laughs> long enough to cover all of his needs yeah you're yeah, not man. wrong we covered it all yeah awesome cool well, yeah thanks guys i'll have links to all your stuff people check it out and uh yeah enjoy your weekend have a good one you, you too, too. Oh boy, what an episode. Thanks for sticking around and listening to it. This is Travis again, uh, here on my own. But as a thank you for sticking around, I wanted to give you a free sticker, a free curiosityness sticker, 100% free, don't have to pay for shipping, you don't have to enter your credit card info, it's really free. Uh, to get one, go to curiosityness.com slash free sticker and it's yours. I'll send it to you right away and, and you can slap that baby wherever you want to represent curiosityness. So, uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Just wanted to give you guys a little gift. Um, so just go ahead and claim that at curiosityness.com slash free sticker. 
And uh, visit our website too, curiosityness.com. I have an Instagram, Curiosityness Podcast. I'm on Instagram too as Trav DeRose, me, Travis, the host. You can follow me if you want. Uh, we're on Twitter, Curiosityness TV is our uh, handle there. We're on Facebook as Curiosityness. All the links to this stuff are in the show notes. You can just click on it and follow us if you want to, because I post some cool little clips and, and extra stuff that you don't get from the uh, podcast onto social media. So you can join in on that and comment and, and talk about me and the show or whatever you want to do. Uh, we're on YouTube, too, as Curiosityness. And I have an email address, Travis at Curiosityness.com. Send me an email. Send me your thoughts on the show, suggestions for new guests, tips on things to make the show better and, and help me with my interviewing and, and get better and everything like that. So uh, constructive feedback is always nice. So send me an email. And uh, also reviews super help. Uh, really appreciate reviews on the show in uh, Stitcher or iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever. Um, just drop a review. That's extremely helpful. You don't even have to make it five stars. You can, you can lower it. Uh, I would prefer a higher one, but whatever, whatever you want to do. I won't coax you into something, uh, but any sort of review helps. I really honestly do appreciate it. So um, yeah, thank you again, guys, for sticking around and listening to this end blabber with me, but uh, have a good rest of the day. Bye-bye.